0: A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some father beans and a nice candy. You, 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 choose me? I choose violence. Come on, let's get in the character. <laughs> Twenty nine of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Ray Hall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here broadcasting in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And, uh, Of course, I am not here by myself, I am joined as always by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life, she is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, she is the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen. Ashes von Nightmare. She
1: is hashtag blessed and stressed. Uh,
0: a little bit more of the stressed <laughs> a than more blessed. Of the
1: stressed right now. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. uh
0: we we just got off. Uh, I had a meeting about my next short film. I had to talk with my director of photography, which I've never had to do really. Well, I mean, I talked with you know Mike Neal, who who shot my first film, but we talked about that like s- five months before. <laughs> We shot, and most of the time we were uh, eating sushi and and having drinks, uh, but it was really weird. And then we had another meeting, uh, for the following hour to discuss some logistical things for the Dead of Winter Horror Festival that's coming up on February twenty fifth. So excited! It's really cool, and like we're very excited to be a part of it. But there's. If it was just that that we were doing, that'd be fine. If it was just your film that we were working on, that, that would, would be fine. fine. If it was just my film that we were working on, that, that would, would be, be fine. fine. But all three of them together in a span of... A month. Three weeks. we Because yeah. we're, we're, we filmed your short on the 3rd. Mine is filming on the 24th. And then we have the dead of winter on the 25th
1: you not to mention i'm helping out with the second annual lois weber film festival that's happening in milbury on march 30th march 30th yep. so i you get know, a little bit of a reprieve for a while but yeah so i'm I'm helping out with that um and then you know uh, life
0: yeah like we also like life we had happens. snow we had to go to work today in the snow uh, not as to... much snow as we were going to have which is kind of a good thing kind of can a bad thing. Can I just thing.
1: complain about winter for one second please. You can complain. So it I several. understand. You know, like I try cuz I live in New England. I know what's going to happen. Like I I get it. I get it. Winter happens. It's a thing that happens. Uh but this winter sp- especially like for this part of New England, like we've been getting enough snow. To just make it miserable. Not enough to really cancel work or get like a snow day or any of this other stuff. Just enough to like make your commute miserable. Make you miserable. Make you cold. Make you wet from having to go and shovel and clean off your car and all that other crap. Like I'm just over it at this point.
0: Yeah, like...
1: I would like a little sun, please.
0: Well, we had a little... I'm
1: not that much of a vampire.
0: Like we... Again, you know... If we had had more snow, it would have been a huge pain because we'd still have to clean off our cars and do all this stuff. But we would have had a snow day. day. Right. We were right in that sweet spot where we had a lot of stuff to clean off the cars and it was still snowing fairly hard and we still had to go to work. So, I mean, we had to go to work. Not a lot of the plow people had to go to work, apparently. But, uh, you know, it was. It, it's over. It was, a,
1: it was a thing that happened, but you know what I love to do around this time of year because you know sometimes you get into the the, the seasonal depression. Hibernate. Get into the, well, yeah, hibernate. <laughs> um, I love to curl up with a good movie.
0: Yes, good movies are. Well, just any movie, honestly. You, you don't have. It doesn't necessarily have to be good. It just has to take you out of whatever's going on for the. However long the runtime is, three hours, two hours, one hour it doesn't matter. Just as long as it takes you out of, you know, thinking about your snowstorms or, you know, the guy at work whose face you want to punch or you know the 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 jerk who cut you off at Duncan's and ate the last goddamn crulla like, you know,
1: excuse me what?
0: The last goddamn crulla. Crulla, Crulla, Crolla. yeah,
1: Crulla Deville.
0: yes. It's, isn't that that Rihanna song? Guy ate my last krella, krella, krella. Eh, eh, eh. That's the only part I know, and <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know that's who sang it until the whole Tom Hiddleston, not Tom Hiddleston, Tom Holland.
1: Different guy, yeah.
0: Listen, both British Marvel guys that have Tom and Ha. To start their name. Tom Hiddleston, ha- And what was the other one? Hammond. Ha- oh, Holland. Jesus Christ. Hammond was the guy from Jurassic Park, and he was an old man. Not, not the same guy. So, yeah, we're on a roll. Uh, but we do have a very special Christopher Guest on today, but it's not Christopher Guest, the director, His name is Christopher, and he's our guest. Um, We did not sing him the Beauty and the Beast song.
1: We spared him.
0: (laughs) We should have. When we have Christopher Guest on, we'll sing the Beauty and the Beast song. Um, We have uh, actor and stuntman and producer uh, Christopher Dukes joining us after the break uh, from the uh, recently released Amazon anthology series, uh, very frightening tales. It can be confusing. If you go to IMDb and you look this up, it says that there's two seasons, uh, but it is not. It is a, a self-contained uh, 56-minute film uh, available right now to rent for $1.99 or just splurge for the extra dollar and buy for two ninety nine. dollars um, We checked it out over the weekend. We're going to be talking all about it with uh, with Christopher coming up in a few minutes um this was also directed by one of our previous guests and produced by one of our previous guests for our uh episode 163 off the rails with Suzanne and Dale uh talking about the film derailed um and so uh, Dale directed this one as well um i think it's going to be a good conversation
1: i think so too i'm looking forward to it
0: yeah uh, christopher's got a lot of experience um with a lot of different aspects of filmmaking, uh, some of his his uh, background is very interesting. You would not think that he would go from this one particular group to stunt work, but you know, uh, he gives us uh, some uh, really interesting insight on his path to uh, becoming an actor and working successfully and consistently, which is the goal of everyone in that in this business in the film industry consistent and uh continual work is uh definitely what you want so uh before we get into do you have anything else you want to add all right so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back uh we're gonna bring on our guest christopher dukes and uh yeah so we'll be right back
1: may i help you Doug, one of you is holding a terrible secret. You gotta disappear.
0: So we're recording, we'll give it a beat, and then I'll bring us back from break. And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer for the uh, film we're going to be discussing today with uh, one of the actors featured in two of the segments. Uh, Welcome to the show, Mr. Christopher Dukes. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to be on the show.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, this isn't the first time we've... uh, you know, we worked with someone who uh, you got to work with, uh, Dale Fabrigar, who directed these segments, and Suzanne De Laurentis, who produced the film, who actually reached out to us to set up the interview. Uh, we had them on um, episode 163, so many, many years ago. Like it, it seems like several iterations ago of this of this show. I do
1: remember it being a really good episode, though. It was a fantastic interview, and the film definitely delivered.
0: Yes. So, Chris, as uh, we explained off-air, one of the things we like to do when we have our new guests on is uh, do our little getting into character segment. So we're going to give you a couple of questions because we know you're on a time crunch. So we're going to give you a couple of questions to let the audience let to know, uh, know a little bit more about you, and then we're going to get into the, the heart of the interview. But starting off, when you get home from a long day, of being on set you know the first thing you want to do because i've spent many a long day on sets i know how it is what is the first thing you do to relax say it's the it's the last day you've wrapped you're done what's the first thing you do to kind of reset and get out of that mindset
2: you know it's so funny only because i've, I've lived at the, the same house for the, the last uh, gosh 10 years now um, and I don't know whether I consider it like a reward or what it is, but, <laughs> uh, for probably the last, definitely the last 10 years, uh, when I get done with a show and I, and I get offset, uh, I live in a town called Newberry park, which is, is north of LA about 45 minutes or so. And on the exit to my neighborhood, there is a taco bell and the taco bell drive-through sign when it's 1am and you've been wrapped, you know, after this long, long day is like this gleaming beacon in the night, <laughs> and I don't know why. Because I, I normally eat very, very healthy, and, and you know, and, and obviously being in, in the industry that we are, you know, maintain you know myself. But it, it just calls to me. So <laughs> almost every uh, time now that I have been uh, wrapped after a long day, I uh, get in that drive-through and I have my uh, two chicken soft tacos and uh, my lemonade and uh, my cinnamon twists. Uh, mm. and, and I don't know what it is about those at one in the morning, but they are so good. And it just, and sometimes I literally, and I, uh, my wife will probably you know, kill me when she hears this. Sometimes I'll literally sit in my car in the parking lot and just wind down with those by myself, listening to something on the radio, just sort of having this me moment, eat my stuff, and then I go home. And I don't know why that started or or or, or what what made it start, but um, yeah, it's been my consistent go to to just sort of wind down, get my little comfort food, if you will, if you're from the mm-hmm. south, and uh, and then head home after that and and uh, and get to bed. Typically,
0: see that's and that's perfect. It's almost like you're driving home and like you see the sign and there's like a rainbow coming out of it, and like that's <laughs> your pot of gold. Like that's. <laughs> that's the best like the, the I, baja
1: I blast is flowing exactly <laughs> if it's like
0: you know one of those 12 hour days and it's like not quite long enough to have second meal and like you're just it's like oh i didn't get a chance to hit up crafty because i've just been on set and i've just been going and going and going i totally get it i understand i've been there
1: and there's um, something about taco bell specifically that just hits like it just right
2: yeah it really does. And I, you know, and per your point, you know, there's, there's been days where I, I did raid crafty, you know, right before I left and, you know, got something and I still, yeah, you know, it's almost like I'm, I'm mentally prepared. I know when I get off that exit and make that <laughs> left and go over the freeway, I see it right there on the right, just calling me. and like, Oh, here comes the right turn into the drive-through done.
0: It's operant conditioning. Pavlov did it best. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
1: So say you're going on a road trip and you're driving a car that has a CD player and therefore you have to listen to an album from start to finish. What album are you choosing for that road trip?
2: Oh gosh. Um, So I have really varied musical tastes, um, which, you know, if if you've asked me a genre, I sort of like a little bit of everything, uh, my, my teenage daughter likes classical. So we listen to that on the drive to school, uh, in the morning, uh, I'm a workout aficionado. So I listen to like, you know, hard rock from, you know, ACDC to nineties, limp biscuit. Um, <laughs> you know, what is it? You know, it's, of course I'm blanking now. What was the name of the group? Cause I actually still have their CD. Um, they, they sing, I want to know what love is. Foreigner. Foreigner. Okay. I have, I still have the Foreigner CD in my garage right now that was in the last car I had that had a CD player. So I can tell you for sure that would be the one. Uh, I think I was born a decade too late because I am a huge fan of all the Foreigner uh, hits from when I was a a little, little dude. And um, yeah, that would definitely be. In fact, I can tell you for sure I have done that on several occasions on the four and a half hour trip through the desert to Vegas. Uh, That CD was played out a number of times.
0: Foreigner is a solid choice. You no, know,
1: it really is.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, like you know, I have the the Foreigner greatest hits, you know, uh, in my in my car. So I get it. I was
1: totally. I actually took my mom to see Foreigner live last year.
2: Dude, and... I've seen him. Uh, true story. I've seen him three times: Santa Barbara Bowl, and then twice in the LA area. Yep. Nice. Yeah,
1: and they still like they deliver. Mm-hmm. They really do. Totally.
2: I was I uh, that and and. Uh... Who's the other one? Uh, um, apparently, I am a closet Pointer Sisters fan.
0: Yeah, uh, from okay. Neutron Dance, too. I,
2: I I told my wife, I'm like, I'm listening to all these songs. I'm like, that's a good, that's a good. Are those all the Pointer Sisters. So, apparently, I'm a closet Pointer Sisters fan. Um, but uh, those would be the two. I think Foreigner being number
0: one. Yeah, but Neutron Dance. I mean, considering the soundtrack that that's on. I mean, you've never seen Beverly Hills Cop, but that's an ama- Like that whole scene where they're playing that and he's hanging out of the truck. Oh,
2: Dude, come on! I, I have watched that and this is, you know, I started off as a stunt guy many years ago, but I have watched that stunt sequence, which is the opening for those of you that don't know Beverly Hills Cop and the, the song in the background is, uh, is Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. And it's a guy driving this big rig who just basically they, they got, you know, permits to just destroy tons of cars. Uh, if you watch the scene, there's like this random bus they just wanted to make a bus swerve so that there's this random bus that just swerves it's not even part of the scene if you watch it it's not even on the same street um but it's just <laughs> they want to do all these crazy things and uh yeah sidebar but uh really really well done scene if you if you haven't seen the first uh seven minutes of Beverly Hills Cop uh definitely definitely
0: recommend Axel Foley is definitely a character that we're going to be covering later this year because of the fourth film that's coming out um But I will say, you know, speaking of the stunts in that film, and I know you're not overly familiar with the show, but getting off on sidebar tangents is kind of like our thing. Um, The scene at the end when he flips over Victor Maitland's uh, security guy, you can 100% tell that it is definitely not him because the guy looks nothing like him. (laughs) He looks like a jacked Richard Pryor. That's what it looks like.
2: Totally, yeah. I mean, there's... I know a lot of guys that do stunt doubling. And, and, and so I always look forward And my wife hates watching movies with me because I'll be like, Oh, there's Jerry. Oh, there's Brian. She's like, stop it. Stop. Oh,
0: I, don't no, I, know that. <laughs> I I get it. I get it. So, uh, that's our, uh, our quick getting into character. I think that, you know, gives us a good idea of, you know, uh, who you are, what you like. Uh, so we're going to start talking about, uh, your most recent, uh, item i believe it's your most recent uh very frightening tales the anthology film on amazon you can buy it for a dollar 99 i'm sorry rent it for a dollar 99 or buy for 2.99 so not a bad uh not a bad deal there
2: i tell everyone i'm definitely worth the extra dollar please buy
0: i mean we 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 paid for it we bought it so there you go we didn't just rent we bought um so you are listed as both an actor and a producer on this yeah you play mike in episode two uh dinner rush and jimmy in episode three a slice of life so the opening question for this is you know how are you approached about this and you know i know you mentioned a lot uh uh, earlier about doing a lot of stunt work um is this something that you're you're trying to take uh more roles um is a featured player as opposed to a stunt actor.
2: Yes. You, uh, you hit that, you know, right on the head, you know, when I, when I moved out here uh, and I always been an athlete. And so that was just kind of this natural progression, you know, into stunts. Uh, I did a, you know, I did the theme park shows, you know, and you go to the theme parks, you see the guys and the, uh, you know, the Marvel superhero stunt show. I was one of those guys. Uh, and then, you know, kind of in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, progressed into stunts and, and, and acting, you know, as well. Um, just to kind of give myself, you know, the old rule is, you know, the more freeways you give yourself, the more destinations you can arrive at, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wanted that always. And uh, but as I got older uh, and got married and and uh, you know realized that you don't uh, quite recover from those bumps and bruises as quickly uh, as you did mm-hmm. when you were in your you know 20s and early 30s. Once you get in your in your 40s, and so per your point, you know, 100, percent, I uh, really wanted to transition into you know acting, but being you know now we're referred to as uh, action actors you know these guys who are actors but can do their own stunts you know the producers are like you know you'll you'll, you'll save us money you can do your own stunts and tom cruise of course has, jackie chan yeah right mm-hmm. jackie chan, uh have, have, have done all these for years so you know in in looking at that as i got older in my 40s kind of going well what types of things am i looking for i i really wanted to be more of, a, of an actor who if needed to could, you know, could perform the, the physicality. And, you know, I met Suzanne in, in uh, gosh, what, 15 or 16, I think now. And just, we just hit it off, you know, um, she's a, a producer and, and, and uh, we had just met each other through some mutual friends. And so just as projects come up, you know, there's some things you write for some things you're not. And mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of the the horror slash suspense genre, just been you know part of, uh, uh, you know, growing up. I've always been, I, I'm that guy who wants to see, you know when everyone else is looking away i want to see it right and so when she mentioned that that was sort of her uh specialty and i, I saw it derailed and and then we worked on another project um we were kind of looking for something else at, and we were thinking about you know the the, the horror anthologies from, from days of old from you know outer limits to uh uh, uh oh gosh that freak show i'm trying to think the one with the crypt keeper tales from the crypt
0: tales from the Crypt, yeah
2: yeah, which, you know, are these short form uh, stories and, you know, with the current viewership and, and the way uh, uh, um, content is now, like a lot of this content is the short form content. So we like, well, let's do something for that, you know, that viewer who, you know, maybe, okay, this episode's okay, but it's going to be done. And then I'll go into this episode. And if I like this one, I can, you know, pick and choose. And so in looking at that, we had some, some folks that had some really good short, you know, scripts and we wanted to get to a point where there was like you know we could put this in what would be like an hour you know with a rapper an intro and an outro and and put together six or seven you know really good you know short stories and of course uh, and that was the producer of me who said hey I'd, I'd love to see this happen you know i i believe we're all in this for entertainment value you either want to entertain or you like to be entertained you know mm-hmm. the, uh, i i am both uh and so uh, as an entertainer i said okay as someone who likes to be entertained i wanted to put this together and as an entertainer i said hey if there's something in there that this you know middle-aged caucasian guy would be you know right for then uh um then, then let's go at it and and so you know when these stories came out there were two of them it really resonated uh both mike uh hitman mike in an episode i think it's three an hour was two and then of course uh clueless jimmy in uh in the, in the second one and uh i said listen and I just, you know, I pitched it. I said, "What's the worst I could say?" though? No. I said, "I'd like yeah. to do both of them." And so they came back and said, "Okay."
0: Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. Oh
1: no, I was just going to ask: Was there anything specific that you did to prepare yourself for these roles, like any films that you watched, and how did you decide on that specific accent for Jimmy?
2: <laughs> you know, it was as I read the the, the, the scripts and, and and what they had. You know, Hitman Mike was definitely more out of character for me. Uh, it's dark. Uh, you know, this guy, you know, not to give away too much, but he, he does really bad things for this family. And, and, and uh, um, you know, so that one was more of a stretch. So I did watch, you know, some uh, assassin movies, obviously. You know, John Wick, uh, which is more recent. And then uh, I'm a big John Woo fan. So I was just
0: going to say, it sounds like a John Woo type of marathon. Yeah,
2: yeah so Hard Boiled, The Killer. Yep you know, some of the old school stuff there. Chow young uh, fat Yeah, there you go, right? And so, um, you know, kind of watch that for some inspiration there with uh, with Hitman Mike. And with Jimmy, <laughs> when I read the script, it said, uh, you know, uh, sort of middle-aged guy who's, you know, still trying to make it in Hollywood in his, in his 40s. And I was like, check. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> do I have to act or just talk? I mean, really... And so, you know, I'm from Nebraska originally and they said well, he's from Texas, so I want to give him a little southern draw and, and I didn't I don't do that. I didn't want to do that to make him seem like he didn't know what was going on because I think he has some clue. I think he's still definitely uh spacey about certain things, but um yeah, I I wanted the accent to just give a little bit of a, a southern draw. I wanted it to be different from from my buddy Brian who played Doug, uh who's kind of this, you know, my Uber guy who's trying Mm -hmm. to warn me about things um so yeah just wanted to be some separation character wise um i didn't know that the two episodes were going to be back to back uh Mm -hmm. which ended up being you know in the in the the final so uh i'm glad that i did in retrospect because now these two characters are you know completely you know completely different uh which is good
0: yeah like when i i originally watched it um i looked at it you know i saw you step in because the 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 uh, character of Mike looks nothing like your IMDb uh, uh, profile, and I looked at him like, I'm like I thought Chris was in. The... I'm like that kind of looks like Richard Spate, like with the darker hair and like the the way that like you were made up, like in the the wardrobe. I was like, huh, like so. There's definitely uh, something to be said for the uh, the makeup and effects and wardrobe department giving you two very distinct looks while you know clearly showcasing who you are on on screen it's uh it was something that was nice to see that you don't always get to see in these um independent uh you know like i don't like the like low budget i like the term independent because it's not attached to like this gigantic studio that can throw 50 million dollars at it um
2: i was really I i would tell you that and i appreciate you saying that because it really that that episode um as the hitman uh took me out of my comfort zone she's like you know look she goes i don't want to see i don't want to see chris dukes i I don't want to see him at all i want to see something completely different in fact you know let's dye your hair let's slick it back and these are all things i mean if you look you know per your point at my my imdb i kind of look similar in most of these you know i kind of play the same and so this one was uh a big departure for me um, I played opposite, you know, Eric Roberts on the day who, you know, was so gracious, was so, was such a nice guy. And I was, I was nervous. And I mean, I'm like, I've got hundreds of sets and, and you always have a few butterflies, you know, when you kind of start, mm-hmm. and you want to feel well, but that day, especially, you know, and, and I, I didn't hang out with the other cast. I kind of stayed by myself and the, and the special effects guys who had all, had to do all the stuff for the, uh, you know, the finale of that particular piece. Um, but yeah, it was a departure for me. I was definitely different, um. Uh, 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 Jimmy was a little easier. You know, I could draw off all the auditions I'd been to when I first moved out here in the late nineties and early two thousands and sort of being a little nervous and then wondering, and then of course having an audition set up at midnight with this, you know, kooky, uh, uh, guy played by Joe Estevez, um, who I'd worked with, you know, Martin Sheen back in the day on, uh, on the West wing. So it's kind of mm-hmm. cool talking to him about, you know, family and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that, that departure was, it was cool for me. It was, it was an experience. Um, my wife says it's the best thing she's ever seen me in. So apparently, I have to do that more often.
0: <laughs> I will, uh, I, I just want to add an asterisk to what you said. Uh, Academy Award nominee, Eric Roberts.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'm going to add that to my IMDb co star with Academy Award nominee. <laughs> thank, no, there you for, a- uh, thank you for my marketing there. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> no, there is something to be said, though, the fact that you were playing opposite this just dynamo of a person Eric Roberts and you really held your own against him in the scene
2: you know and that was the other thing that you know made me nervous when they when they told me you know who they had cast as the as the boss it's like wow you know and he came on and just came right up to me how you doing America very very sweet and you know we had two days in this in this restaurant and he I think maybe left I don't know a couple times uh, and you know, a lot of times, for those of you that haven't been on sets, or if you have, you know, sometimes when you're doing a, a turnaround, you know, the actual they'll still say the lines, but they won't give you all the gusto. They'll just say them because it's your turnaround, it's mm-hmm. your close up. And Eric, bless his heart, man, he because there were some things I had to do. There's some things he had to get out of me as this juxtaposition changes in the scene. And he was given it. I mean, to sit next to the camera, you know, off camera, he was, you know, given it every time, which I really, you know, in retrospect, per your point, because he is a dynamo, uh, I, I really appreciated. And just a number of things that he did, you know, it was almost like, you know, dare I say, an acting class when I was sitting there watching him do his stuff, because I was watching that and I was going, why did he? And then I, he'd do a next take and he'd do it completely different. I go, oh, God, how would you edit? I, I, either one of those would be perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was super sweet and just a, a really, I guess, you know, the, the, the best actor is a, is a good reactor, right? And he gave me so much to, to react to, you know, even sitting on the Apple box, you know, off camera, you know, giving me the, the cue lines. So it was it was a cool day. And it's one that I'll remember for a long time. And I've seen him at a couple of, you know, red carpet events and, and, and awards type things since then and I remembered my name. And I told my wife, I'm like, babe, Eric remembers me. Cool, <laughs> <right. It> like. <laughs>
0: Just to uh, to for the folks at home who are not familiar with some of these terms, uh, turnaround is when uh, when a when a dialogue scene gets filmed, they only film one side of it, and then they switch the whole they flip the world so to speak, uh, and then film the other side. So generally, the two actors that are you know having this conversation are not you know they sometimes they're not in the room together. Uh, and I'm sure you've experienced that where it's like you're giving your lines and the other actor's like, well, you know, I have a yogurt commercial. I got to go film. So I'm done for the day. I'm out. So the fact that he was still there, you know, just off camera, giving you your lines so that you could react better. Uh, that's a testament, I think, to uh, to, you know, his dedication and his uh, his desire for his, you know, scene partner, his, you know, his co-worker for lack of a better term um, to do well, you know, in addition, you know, so it, you know, it's the, the rising tide lifts all boats type of uh, mentality.
2: Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I had uh, texted him, gosh, maybe about a, a year later, but you know, after we got it done, we submitted it to the festivals, you know, as you do, mm-hmm. to kind of drum up some, you know, marketing and support. And, uh, and I got, you know, out out in the office here, there's, you know, five or six nice little acrylic awards, you know, for best short and, you know, best actor and whatever. And and I, I I give, you know, all the, you know, the thanks to him. You know, he really was able to, you know, uh, bring it out in me and it's something that uh, I hadn't, like I said earlier, I I hadn't really got out of my comfort zone so much before. I I know what I can play and I, I play in a certain type really well. I've played every cop and sheriff and lawyer and, you know, Mm -hmm. and detective, you know, you can name across, you know multiple tv shows and movies and things and so playing a bad guy uh was was different and uh and, and a lot of fun i i realize why people say playing the bad guy is a lot of fun we had, a, we had a good time that day on set
0: so um i know we're we're getting close on time uh but you mentioned your 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 beginning uh off air and you know you did you know you said you did a lot of stunt work and you've done a lot of work you know as an actor you know not doing stunts but you also talked about your roots, where you started from. So why don't you talk a little bit about your time in the Groundlings?
2: <laughs> yeah. So when I, uh, I, I'm a Midwestern guy, I came out here from Omaha in the mid-90s and, uh, you know, did everything from, you know, extra to, to stand in to body double to hand double. I think I was a foot double at one point. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, then got into the stunt work and then, you know, the stunt doubling and all that and um you know when i wanted to get into it, when i realized you know hey the, the acting thing you know is, is kind of more me i was you know in, in productions in college etc and and i did a senior thesis for uh, usc film grad you know right when i came out here had a co-starring role and really said okay if i want to do this if this is going to be the christopher duke's lifelong passion which it is then i need to you know have some training and 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 went to various acting coaches and things and and and, you know some resonate with you some don't and sometimes you get a great scene partner and sometimes you get not so great and so i wanted something that i thought would be just for me you know and i remember seeing the back at the time it was called backstage west you know we had our our little paper that came out and now it's on the on the computer and um they were talking about groundlings and i I i'd seen a couple guys and and of course as a, a fan of saturday night live they kept talking about hey yeah we got them from groundlings or we got them from you know Chicago or got them from Groundlings. And I'm like, where's Groundlings? Oh, it's on Melrose down the corner. And I lived in Studio City at the time, which is not too far from where it is. And so I went there and uh, and the story I was, I was sharing with you guys, uh, uh, you, know, the, you, you audition for it and then you get put in a, an intro or a basic. And if you don't know anything, you're an intro. And if you have a little bit of a basis, you get put into uh, what they call basic. So I made the basic, I made the, the first cut, if you will. And uh, first day, of first class, you're there. And there's, well, roughly each class usually starts out with 20 people, and then attrition happens, and you end up with like nine or ten. But first day of class, sit there, and, you know, I just talking to some random guy next to me, and and the and the teacher comes in, a guy named Tim, says, "Okay, you guys uh, don't no more talking. Don't talk to each other. Don't talk to anybody else. Get up, move your chairs over there, and then spread around the room." I said, "Okay, I want each of you to think of an animal that you want to be." Okay, so I thought of I'm an elephant or something to that effect. He said, "Okay, now." As you go around, I need you to make the noise of that animal. And as you see other animals, you have to interact as you would interact with that animal in real life. And in my head, I'm like, Jesus, I don't know any of these people. What if somebody's a mouse or what if they're, you know, a bear whatever it would be. And from that very first class, where I, I think that literally the first person I walked up to, you know, was a mouse. And so I had to act, you know, scared. And, and uh, you know, from that very, very first class, just the, the barriers that that class broke down for me uh, I went from the intro to to uh, you know, intermediate, and then uh, I think I did intermediate twice. It was going to go to the advanced, and just it wasn't able to. But the training I got there—I mean, to this day, that improv training—you know—has benefited me so greatly. Especially when there's uh, directors like Dale, who we mentioned you know, earlier, who will say, "Hey, Chris, all right, one for you, go." You know, and he'll let me go off script and just you know do some things that have been kind of ruminating in the head. Mm-hmm. and uh that groundlings training has allowed me to do that and, and everything from gosh that was 2000 to 2002 i mean we're you know 20 some odd years later and it's you know stuck with me to this day and
0: i think that's definitely something that you know is a is a sign of a good director where it's like okay you know there's the director's interpretation of the script there's the writer's interpretation of the script there's the actor's interpretation of the script and sometimes those things don't always mesh together the right way so when a director says you know what Take it off script. Let's do it. Let's do a take the way, you know, you are, would direct this character, like direct yourself. You know, how would you do this interaction? I think that's a good uh, a, a good sign of a, of a good director.
2: It really is. And, and, you know, it's someone that gives you the latitude to do that. You know, I, I've been on shows where there's you know, some big shows where you said every word. If it was the and two four, you said the and two four mm-hmm. I mean, it was no going off. Uh, and some of these, you know, uh, independence—I love the, the fact that you described it as that independence—allow uh, you a little bit more leeway, which is great. It's another version. Some of them work. Sometimes it's magic. Sometimes it doesn't work. You know, uh, and sometimes there's a thing where you know I've had a, a few directors I work with say, "Okay, all right, now give me one as the character." Don't have just just keep or keep going, which I love. You know, script's over and scene's over, and I've been in a couple scenes with some, you know. A, a guy who had like one or two lines and was just opposite me. And he said, all right, Chris, keep going. And this guy's, guy's looking at me like, oh, we're still going. Okay. You know, and it was, it was so fun. I mean, just for me uh, to, to continue on to, to improv it and give the, the scene more life. And you know, sometimes it, it makes the movie, sometimes it's in the outtakes. So.
1: Yeah. So you've mentioned off-air that you, you play a lot of bad guys, but you're such a nice guy. Uh, my question to you is, what is your dream role? What would you like to play?
2: Oh, you know what? They, I had this the other day, um, and I had to think about it for a minute, but we have a little you know, a preview. So um, genre-wise, in the horror genre, there's also the zombie genre. Of course, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a fan when it first came out. I went to the premiere or premiere weekend, I should say, of this Brad Pitt uh, movie called World War Z. Uh, mm-hmm. right, right, really, really, really well done. And that his character, just you know, playing this sort of scientist, you know, nice guy that's that's going around the world trying to figure this out, uh, but also having to play the action and play, you know, that you know, the action actor, if you will, is kind of a, a dream role for me in my you know, subtext in sort of what I play normally. Um, bad guy-wise, uh, you know, I was kind of going back and forth with this. There wasn't really one that that, that really resonated with me, um, you know, in terms of something I'd like to recreate. You know, when I, when I thought about recreating a character, wanting to play a character, that Brad Pitt character in World War Z is the one that really came to mind. Um, but I, I will say that just in general, uh, playing a bad guy, I, I just had another movie uh, called, it's called scars, uh, which is out where I play this, you sort of uh, a hole, you know, dad. And, and I had to tell the, the little boy in the scene with me, I was like, listen, I'm a really nice guy, but in the scene, I'm not going to be, you know, and kind of explain it to him. So he wasn't so scared of me. Although in, in, in the film, he, he definitely was. Um, but I think just overall it's, it's, uh, I had heard for years, it's more fun to play the bad guy. Um, and so after playing a good guy for all these years, it's kind of a nice next step to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and, and, and do that.
0: So, uh, we got a couple questions left before we, uh, we wrap things up. Um, how do you approach, like, what's your, your mental approach? Uh, cause obviously the physical approach is going to be different, but your mental approach to, you know, uh, a non-stunt role compared to getting ready to do stunts.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it definitely comes down to the physicality, uh, you know, when you're doing something that's, that's stunt intensive, you know, it's more about physical preparation, you know, getting to the gym and stretching and, you know, everything you might do for a 5k or a run or, you know, competing in any sort of, you know, my son is in karate. So, you know, warming up for that and doing all of your moves and things. so that's definitely more physical and that's, you know, a stunt person who may have a line and then, you know, get shot or whatever it may be. Um, and that is more for me uh, a physical preparation. You know, there's not too much mental to it typically. Um, although you just want, you want to make sure that you're centered and safe to make sure that you, uh, you know, don't get hurt. Um, in terms of acting, it really depends on, you know, sort of, of the role. I, I do try to not get too much in my head, you know, with it. Cause I, I'll tend to create like this whole backstory and you know where did he grow up? What do you have for lunch? And you, know, all these, these other things that, you know, do help you create that character, but, you know I also try to keep it you know sometimes you know less is more right Mm -hmm. uh and and while I want to give the directors and producers options um I, I I try to you know think of something that this there's always a part of me in the characters I mean I know people say you always become someone else but there's always some part of you some basis of you in that character what would I be as this person how would Chris Dukes respond to this situation I, and, and then you just sort of start to envelop you know and you start to to create more you start to create it's almost like a cocoon around you that becomes you know this character and you know for me that's that's the most fun uh i, I mentioned earlier i you know I'm, I'm i like both sides i like to be entertained you know i love to go to the movies i'm, I'm a fan i've been a fan for years uh and uh, and i love to entertain i think we're in this business you know for that reason um, I love when my kids see dad and something, you know, and their reactions. And, uh, I love when, you know, buddies from high school call me and say, Hey dude, just saw you in, you know, such and such. And, and sort of, you know, and, and their responses to that, what do they say? You know, you were great or you sucked. you know, whatever it mm-hmm. may be. And I've had both. Um, <laughs> I think the, the the preparation for me, I go, okay, I, I prepared pretty well for that one. Probably could have done better there, you know?
1: is that you mentioned being a fan of the horror genre. And I mean, it's same, uh, what is your favorite horror film?
2: Oh gosh. Uh, I probably would have to originally go back to John Carpenter's you know, Halloween, you know? Okay. Mm, Just I've seen, yeah. I've seen, you know, I've watched about every behind the scenes, you know, documentary on that from when you see this, the smoke, you know, that, that, that came across camera and they left it in the scene. And then of course, uh, you know the the the, the classic line um, uh, on on the phone, of course. Of, oh, uh, the call, mm-hmm. the call,
0: the
2: call is coming from inside the house. You know that just that it freaked me out for years, and I uh, I think that movie just just because I've, I've dissected it, you know, so many times. Uh, Horror wise, that would definitely be my favorite. Action wise, uh, and only because I was filming another movie at the same time, uh, Michael Mann made this wonderful movie called Heat in 1995. Mm-hmm the first Pacino De Niro, you know, uh, scene together, we were actually shooting a Sally field movie, uh, on the street, uh, about two streets over and just total off, off topic. But uh, one of the funnier moments of my life was we were shooting the scene outside and our PAs had to connect with their PAs because they were filming the big bank robbery sequence where they were shooting all these AK 47s. And it was so loud that our sound was no good for our outside shots. So we would have to mm-hmm. wait for them to stop shooting. Then we would roll and we would cut and they would roll. Um, and it was, uh, you know, moments wise, and, and it, forgive me for going off tangent, but no, uh, no. Uh, you know, uh, action wise, that's my favorite, but Halloween for sure. I remember being a little kid and it's scaring me to death. And then of course, going on to Friday the 13th and, you know, Freddy Krueger and, and, and I remember uh, on Elm street, uh, all of those things as I grew up as a kiddo in the eighties and nineties, uh, have, you know, stuck with me today.
0: So, uh, before we let you go I have uh, one more question and then uh we're gonna ask your advice on something so final question uh who do you like for the uh for the the, the big Oscars this year you know picture actor all that gosh
2: yeah so I, I just voted so I have to remember who I uh, so for picture I, I I do like you know I, I watch both of the the long films uh Oppenheimer and and killers of flower Moon uh, yeah you're watching all of them those are the two you know lengthy ones uh, I do like Oppenheimer I think uh, uh Killian is is brilliant in that um although Killers of the Flower Moon is, is 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 also stellar and, and DiCaprio and, and uh the Nero play you know if, if, I don't stop counting how many scenes they you know, had together in that movie uh, but I would go with Oppenheimer there um it's interesting that they moved uh uh because uh, he had been sweeping it uh, Giamatti had been sweeping all of the supportings at all the at the priors. And now they moved him to, um, to, to uh, to, um, primary, right. To elite. Yep. And this one, so that's going to be interesting because, you know, he'd been sweeping and then we'd had, uh, of course, uh, uh, Killian winning for outstanding. So uh, I still voted for Giamatti. I thought he was brilliant in the holdovers. Of course, the director Alexander Payne's from Nebraska. I've uh, been a fan of his for years. Um, he went to a rival high school, but that's, you know, aside the point, um, uh, uh I, I like both of those. Um, I thought Robert Downey Jr. was was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I think the ones that have won, I, I voted for SAG, uh, and I think across the board, uh, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Downey Jr., Giamatti. Um, and who did I like for uh, for lead actress? Uh, it's escaping me right now. Uh, of course, I can't think of it, but... Uh, uh, it's all right. Yeah. I, I voted sad. for one of them, I know that.
0: I like I like your uh, your choices. Uh, I'm also rooting for Paul Giamatti as uh, I worked on the holdovers, so I'm a little biased. Um, but I've told lots of I've told those stories a hundred times, and you have you have time to go. So, Ash, you have a uh...
1: yeah. I have one last question yeah, yeah, yeah. for you. Sure. Um, in your words, in your opinion. Why should people buy or rent very frightening tales?
2: Perfect. So uh, for everyone out there, uh, as Patsy and Ash has mentioned before, you can rent it for $1.99 or you can buy it for $2.99. I promise you it's worth the extra dollar. You know, please buy. Uh, Why you should do that, um, you know, it features, you know, seven separate mini episodes that each have their own uh, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, They are completely different stories. Um, Each one of them has its own, you know, catch its own, you know, uh, uh, suspense and horror. Um, Starring in in, in two of them or co-starring in two of them, obviously, I uh, am partial to it. Uh, I think it's very well done. I think if you are a fan of of the outer limits of tales from the Crypt and that sort of short form you know horror genre, this one is it's 57 minutes you know of your life. I think you you, you buy it and you, you sit back and you you get entertained and you say, wow, those are seven different stories that I can go and you know and some of them will resonate with you and some of them won't and that's the the beauty of, of cinema and some things you say, wow, that's really good and other things you go oh, not for me, this is gonna give you a really nice, uh, uh, juxtaposition between seven different stories that uh, are, are all fun, uh, funny and, and scary and suspenseful in some way. And and obviously a, a great way to spend uh, uh, a Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night.
0: <laughs> so the, the final thing we have for you before we let you go is what advice do you have for someone who is looking to get into, you know, film in any way, you know, whether it's, you know, I want to be a grip or I want to, you know, design costumes. I want to do set deck. What advice would you have for those people?
2: You know, as someone who came out here, you know, at uh, 20, gosh, what was I? <sighs> 23, I guess, uh, at the time, 22 and uh, 300 bucks in my pocket and a dream. And I knew one person who got me an apartment. And uh, I think you, you have to, you know, keep your, your eyes on the prize uh, and, and don't ever give yourself, you know, a, a time limit. You know, I hear all the time, "Oh, I'm going to try this for six months or a year," and you know, and then you you hear about the 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 Harrison Fords and the Samuel Jacksons, who you know, things happen later, and or you know, most famously Estelle Getty, who was you know, 60, you know, when mm-hmm. when Golden Girls mm-hmm. you know came out, and you know. If this is in your blood, and I'll tell you, I know it's in mine. I came out in my 20s and 30s and you know, I met my wife and oh. uh, took a step back, you know, for a little while and started a business and had my family. And, and in my 40s, um, I, I missed it, I really did. I missed having that part of my life, and I went back to my manager and said, You know, I, I, I want to get back into this. And, and I realized, as someone who did step away for a little while and then came back, I mean, it's in your blood, and if it's in your blood there are ways to to perform all types of places from plays to to background work to you know if you want to do crew and then just be on a set and be around it if you if you are a fan of of tv and movies uh, my advice would be to you know to, to to not give up you know for some people it happens in their 20s and 30s and for others it happens in their 40s 50s and 60s and mm-hmm. if you enjoy the craft if you uh, uh like we said earlier if you're a fan of the craft I, I think it's a part of who you are and it's something that you should pursue for lifetime i I had this conversation with my wife the other night. She goes, "All right, how long are we gonna be doing this acting thing?" I go, "Until I'm dead. will <laughs> be. It's gonna be a long time, honey. It'll be a long time."
0: Well, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you have to go, uh, but you know, we just want to thank you again for uh, for joining us and giving us some you know some insight, some background to you know your experiences in film, and you know we appreciate the advice. That's um, very frightening tales on Amazon. Two dollars to rent, three to buy. Spend the extra dollar. Um, thank you one more one more time, Christopher, for joining us today.
2: I appreciate you. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so we will end that recording.
1: Larry, did you press the button?
0: I have pressed several buttons.
1: You were supposed to press the record button.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe I did press the record button. I pressed all kinds of buttons. This thing has more buttons than a submarine.
1: And right now, you are pressing my buttons. They're supposed to be a little light or something.
0: There are lots of little lights. Oh, my.
1: (coughs) Hi, this is Linda Sugarbaker Donovan.
0: And this is Larry Donovan Capricorn.
1: And we are the co-chairs of the Lazarus Nook Homeowners Association.
0: As well as founding members of the Lazarus Nook Community Theater Group.
1: Not to mention the stars from the upcoming. It came from the 508 Productions film, Stakes, a New England vampire story.
0: I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Lamond.
1: We are here to invite you to our next fundraiser.
0: Because we put the fun in fundraiser.
1: It is the Dead of Winter Horror Festival, taking place at Mechanics Hall in Worcester on Sunday. February 25th.
0: So make sure to get your vendor passes and VIP tickets because those things are selling faster than Mima's special peach sangria at the church fair. For tickets and more information, go on your little phone or your computer, your iPad, and head on over to the Dead of Winter Horror Festival Facebook group or event page.
1: And tell them Linda and Larry sent you.
0: And we are back. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed that interview. I thought it was very insightful. I thought, uh, you know, hearing about, you know, like we teased in the intro, like how he went from the Groundlings improv group to stunt acting, uh, that's really not something that you normally see. Like, you know, you don't go to improv for stunt. Stunt improvisation is probably the worst type of improvisation (laughs) you could have. It's like...
1: It was probably not recommended.
0: You know, I don't think that my my guy would slam on the brakes here. I think this character would careen off the cliff and, and engulf in a fireball. Yeah, we don't have that rigged. Yeah, but I think the character would would, would like it. Uh, I, I, think don't, I don't we...
1: know if insurance would cover improv- improv- improvisational stunt work, Yeah.
0: Yeah, but the great thing is I only got to do this once, so make sure the cameras are rolling. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I thought that was very interesting, and like you know how his. You know, he sounds like a very nice gentleman, and you know the fact that he plays jerks all the time is fairly interesting. Um, he didn't mention it on air, but he, off air, he said that his wife paid him a compliment by saying, "You know, you're a really nice guy, but you really you play a really great asshole." So, uh, I thought that was nice. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check the movie out. Like I said, a dollar ninety nine to rent, two ninety nine to to buy. Splurge and, you know, support independent uh, filmmakers, independent creators. Uh, So we have battle results for you from our uh, Giamatti throwdown last week.
1: Yeah, so last week we threw down Paul Giamatti, Battle of the Giamatti Characters. Which character played by Paul Giamatti has what it takes to best his opponents in a thespian throwdown? Which character is Paul Giamatti's peace day resistance, and you could choose from Paul Hunnam from The Holdovers, Miles Raymond from Sideways, Chuck Rhodes from Billions, or Cleveland Heap from The Lady in the Water, and uh, it was a close one, but you all chose Miles Raymond from Sideways.
0: You know, in Canada, he's known as Kilometers Raymond.
1: Uh, sure.
0: Yeah, because they they use the metric system.
1: So our buddy Anthony T. from the Anthony T. Horror Show commented, you forgot one of his signature roles as Harvey Picard in American Splendor.
0: See, we, and one of the things that we had uh, discussed, I don't remember if we talked about it uh, on air, but one of the things we had decided was uh, they were only going to be fictional characters. Harvey Picard, um, while he was amazing as Harvey Picar And I told the story about how that was one of my favorite lines in the history of cinema. Um, that's a real guy. He was friends with our crumb. So we didn't want to do because, like, you know, John Adams was another great character, uh, that he could have played or that we could have used, uh, as one of the options. But, uh, I personally, uh, I voted for my dad, uh, and he would have chosen billions, so that's why I picked uh I picked billions.
1: So we also have a couple more comments. Sir Isaac said, I mean, if we're talking Gia Mighty here and mentioned his character from Howard Stern's Private Parts.
0: Pig vomit. See, that's the other reason I didn't want to pick him. I didn't I didn't want to pick that character because so many people looked like oh yeah, he's Pig Vomit and they would have just picked that because they recognized that character. Um, that character would have won on the landslide I wanted you know I like it when it, you have to think about it a little more and you know put a little more thought into it Um, but like you can't go wrong with any of these characters like Paul Giamatti is just phenomenal in everything he's in
1: and we have one more comment from my ghoul friend from the Living Dead Ghouls podcast. If you have not checked out the first episode, I highly suggest you do it, because episode two is coming out soon. Uh, but my ghoul friend, Oscara said his character from Big Mama's House.
0: Which I have not seen. I just know that Martin Lawrence is in that. Um, but I did not realize that Paul Giamatti was in that. Uh, we also could have gone with uh, his character from Gunpowder Milkshake, where he played the rare villain um, and uh, uh, uh saving Mr. Banks, big
1: fat liar.
0: Yep, uh, saving Mr. Banks. He played uh, P.L. Travers's driver. I don't know if that was a real character or not, so I kind of steered away from that as well. Uh, we could have picked Rudy from uh, the Negotiator, another phenomenal character. Uh, The Rhino, even though he was only on screen for a few seconds, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield, not Tom Hiddleston. Um, Or
1: Tom Holland. Or Tom
0: Hammond. Like, none of those guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there were a lot of different uh, characters to choose from. So because it's been a while, uh, we have science and wine for you today, and I will go first. Uh, because I was very very excited about this, there was an article posted on uh, IFL Science about two new ancient shark species discovered in world's longest cave system. Now, when I first saw the headline, I thought this might have been like a a, a coelacanth situation where uh, the if you're not familiar, the fish the coelacanth was uh, believed to be extinct for you know millennia until a fisherman pulled one up into his boat and they were like holy shit these things people like what the hell is this it's like oh yeah we catch these all the time and it's like wait a minute no that fish is extinct the guy's like "Uh, nope I mean it might be now like I don't know how many more are left but yeah I've been catching these all week like I thought it might be that situation but no uh, they found some uh, adult and juvenile teeth because with sharks there's really no fossil record because they're cartilaginous so they don't leave anything other than teeth you know and occasionally you might get some imprints depending on how the, the uh, fossils were created like how the shark died uh, but generally it's just teeth and scientists kind of have to work backward from there extrapolating what sharks look like today you know and which is why they're not sure what the megalodon looks like and everybody's got a different idea because it's like well you know these are what the teeth look like let's work backwards from there because they don't have any other records, so, uh, but the sharks classified it. I mean, the scientists classified the shark as Troglolatys Trimbli. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. Uh, it's estimated to have reached ten to twelve feet, so like a white tip or a lemon shark. Um, it represents both a brand new species and genus of shark. The genus name translates to cave clodotus, or cave branching tooth, uh, while the species is named after Park Superintendent Barclay Trimble. That makes sense. Um, the second species was a was caraforum, identified from teeth uh, and a partial set of jaws and gills found in different regions of the cave system. Uh, this was still a novelty, even though the genus was already known to science as the cartilage fossil found was the first of its kind for this genus. That's what I was saying. like, Very rarely do you find any cartilaginous fo- uh, fossils. And these things, they, they're pretty interesting looking. Uh, they kind of give me a little bit of a, like a dunkleostis vibe, not in that they're armored, but the upper jaw is kind of uh, more pronounced and there's almost like a slit in between The uh, Like for us, where our canine teeth would be, there's kind of a slit that goes up to where the nose is. Um, So each was about 10 to 12 feet is what the estimation is, and I think that's kind of cool. You can check it out on uh, IFL Science's website if you would like to learn more.
1: So yesterday was Valentine's Day, and you might have been gifted a nice heart-shaped box of chocolates. And you may be thinking to yourself... I would love to know which wine I should pair with these chocolates, and oh, I am here to tell you. So if you are gifted dark chocolate, I highly recommend either a Port or a Zinfandel port brings out the sweetness of the chocolate and zinfandel introduces hints of fruits and spices so it kind of adds a little bit more uh, depth to the chocolate favor flavor and i actually really highly recommend the the zinfandel with the dark chocolate because i just think that the two pairs so nicely together uh, gives it dimensions that you wouldn't expect chocolate to have um if you were gifted milk chocolate i recommend either a pinot noir a malbec or a rosé a light or medium bodied wine enhances the sweetness while the acidity cuts through the creaminess now i'm not usually a huge fan of milk chocolate but if i pair it with one of these wines it actually tastes really good it just heightens the the flavor just a little bit and makes it way more enjoyable in my opinion and lastly if you were gifted kind of like a a caramel like chocolate or a a chocolate that has a a super sweet creamy center of something um i recommend a sparkling wine because the bubbles lighten up the intense rich flavor that comes with the the flavor of the the filling of the chocolate Mm -hmm. so so there you have it
0: yeah um i will say this about uh wine I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot.
1: You know what, Paul <laughs> Giamatti? I will drink all the Merlot for you, okay?
0: I will say... Uh,
1: that was the only issue I have with that film.
0: Apparently, one of the... Uh, 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 someone who ran a vineyard saw that movie and reached out to Alexander Payne and said, Well, you've never tried our Merlot and sent him a case. So, so if note you, to you If self, you
1: want free wine...
0: <laughs> note to self... For our next short film, like, oh, I am not going to walk through the airport with a bag of money and, like, have, like, a bank be like, oh, you've never tried our money and, like, send us a bag of money.
1: (laughs) Because that's how that works.
0: That would work very well. So what do we have coming up next week?
1: Uh. For the show, or like... For the the show. Oh, for For the the show. show. Well, we are going to make everything pink and plastic and fantastic, and we are going to talk about the characters from the Barbie movie. Now, last year, we kind of gave you a little bit of background. Um, We did an episode on Barbie a long time ago. You can always revisit that. And before this film came out, we gave you everything that we thought you should know before heading into the Barbie movie. And I think we did a really good job of touching base on some of these obscure Barbies that actually were in the film. So you're welcome. But um, no, we're going to talk about Barbie and Ken uh, and Barbie and Ken and Barbie and Ken and Alan and the whole crew. Like, it's going to be a fantastic episode. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes. So um, that's what we have coming up. If you have any questions, uh, comments, you can always email us at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com or just leave comments on our facebook page we'd also
1: like to remind you that the dead of winter horror festival is taking place at mechanics hall on february 25th and that is in worcester it starts at noon and we would love to see you there oh and we're hosting it
0: yes so and, it's going to be a
1: really fun time, and there's a lot of surprises that, that are that are happening. There are a lot of
0: things going on. We that...
1: can't even talk about. Like we've kind of we don't given you a time. little peek behind the curtain, but there are some really fantastic things happening at this event. That uh, if you show up and attend, I think you will be pleasantly surprised. So definitely get your tickets now. You can go to uh, just. Facebook we'll, search we'll, Dead we'll, of Winter we'll Horror Festival. Yeah, did, we'll put links in the show notes. Too, but um, if you're antsy and don't want to wait for us, you can just Facebook search Dead of Winter Horror Festival. Uh, click the event page. The link is right there. You can purchase your tickets ahead of time. Tickets will also be available at the door. Um, but yeah, and, and I highly recommend that you splurge for the VIP package. So
0: many nice things in the VIP package.
1: Including Plus. priority seating yep. for all of the films. And let me tell you, it is nice
0: it, the the room where the films are being shown is the great hall and it is gorgeous it is so nice Ugh,
1: stunning so i think with that being said
0: we, we will see you next thursday, thursday.